I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It is time to draw it up in the Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? Nadim Zahawi was the Chancellor of this country, in charge of all our money, and he's proved why he was given the job, because he's so careful with money that he's had to pay an undisclosed sum of millions of pounds in tax after he was caught by the Inland Revenue from trying to avoid handing it over. It's like the Minister of Defence being caught stealing Hampshire and handing it to Russia. Maybe Nadim Zahawi thought that as he was Chancellor, his job was to take all the country's money personally and keep it in his loft. The Prime Minister has said there are no questions to answer because Zahawi has now addressed the matter in full. Well, this is an exciting new liberal approach to the law, isn't it? That it's all right to try and swipe millions of pounds as long as you hand it back if you're caught. I'll try the same thing. I'll wander into an art gallery and crowbar a Van Gogh painting off the wall. And if I'm caught, I'll just hand it back and say, there are no questions to answer. Now, Zahawi was the ideal person to be Chancellor, as he was amazing at raising money. He once claimed £5,822 as MP's expenses towards the cost of heating the stables at his house. So I suppose this is fair, as we can all agree in the current climate, if there is any spare money that might be going around, the best way to spend it is on keeping a multi-millionaire's horses warm. Maybe Zahawi suffers from a condition in which he thinks he doesn't have to pay for anything. Next week, we'll find out he's been fined by Southern Trains. He won't just have travelled without a ticket. He'll have climbed into the front of the train and driven it to Eastbourne and then taken all the cushions out of first class to keep his horses warm. Now, this government says that it's determined to clamp down on tax fraud. So Nadim Zahawi will soon announce we need a strong, conservative government led by people like me so that we can finally deal firmly and decisively with scum like me. Now, the unions for nurses and rail workers could learn from this story. See, they've been called greedy because they make outrageous claims for a rise in line with inflation. Instead, they should be modest and realistic and demand that the government send all public sector workers a central heating system for their stables. But the tax issue is easily explained. It seems that it was owed on the profits from Zahawi's YouGov company from when it was worth £20 million held and sold by a Gibraltar-based firm eventually owned by his parents. And these tax avoidance stories always seem to go like this. They're made overcomplicated. And then you get someone on the news saying that there's a report that Lord Pixelby's firm was valued at £75 million, but registered as a trust in the name of Pixelby's hamster called Fluffy Nuts. Then it was leased to a holding company based on one of Jupiter's moons. It then paid dividends to the value of £150 million to a rubber plant, which was believed to have been owned by Lady Pixelby, who was named as an arms dealer selling flamethrowers to Saudi Arabia, although in documents registered at company's house, she was 
certified as having been turned into a frog by a wizard in 1354. The Prime Minister said there were no questions to answer. This week, Professor Susan Jebb, Chair of the Food Standards Agency, suggested that cakes shouldn't be brought into the office on people's birthdays. Now, we were hoping to speak to Professor Jebb, but unfortunately, she's out with food poisoning. So instead, here's deceased Yorkshire cricketer Fred Truman. Uh, well, I mean, now they are seeing they're going to ban people from bringing cake into the office. <laughs> Never heard such rubbish in all my life. I mean, in, in my day, you didn't just bring cake into the office, you brought your own baker. And I mean, he would make you a squirrel muffin on the photocopy machine. And I mean, if it was someone's birthday, you'd bring in a buffalo, put it on a spit, I mean, roast it right there in the post room. But I mean... Nowadays, I don't know, I mean... Oh, and of course, there weren't any fire alarms in those days. I mean, if your desk went up in flames, you just sat there and got on with eating your cake while you were on fire. I mean, you didn't grumble, I mean... <laughs> I remember one match against Gloucester, Toby Cowdery, lovely man. It was his birthday, so he made a three-course dinner whilst he was taking a catch. I mean, the umpire gave it not out because he'd overcooked his alley butt and not put any fennel on it, but, I mean, he, he didn't complain. He went out to bat the next day, scored 123 not out, got through to the final of Bake Off. Paul Hollywood said his cover drive was moist, succulent and full of flavour, and all the cherries were evenly distributed, but, I mean, they wouldn't play that sort of shot nowadays. I mean, it couldn't be bothered to give up. Now, as anybody knows who's ever even attempted the the Herculean task of finding out what the fuck is going on, you need expert advice from the very, very finest minds, Nobel Peace Prize winners, that sort of thing. But we've even better than that, Mr. Brian Reed, colleague, you could say, of the of the Daily Mirror, and uh, Brian, I, I lovely to have uh, have you with us, a man who lightens up a Saturday with his. Calm yeah, and measured comments in the mirror. Be, uh, it's good to be with you, comrade. I think Daily Mirror, comrade. I've um, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm nursing a bad hangover today, actually, and I think by doing so, I'm doing my duty to this country because if you can't get pissed on Wednesday night in the middle of January to shut up all these dry January smuggles, <laughs> then you know when I'm doing my bit for the economy because uh, on a, on a serious note, actually, if we're allowed to be serious, <laughs> yeah. This is a really shit time, and it's been telling people not to drink. Yeah, but, I know it's really. I walked down my local street last night with the pubs on. Half of them, oh, we don't open. We don't open early day. We don't open in the middle of the week now. We can't afford it. No one's coming out. You know, people should still be going out, and getting pissed. I know. What is the matter with them? What are we? Are we Saudi Arabia? Is that what we are? <laughs> I've got a good. Um, I've got a good notice for you, actually, Mark. You know, you, you, you know the Kazakh bar in Liverpool quite well. You've been there quite a lot, done a lot for it. Yeah, so for people who don't, for people who may not know, and there's many people who won't, the Kazakh bar was this wonderful place that opened late in the days where you couldn't get a late drink. Amazing that, Brian, isn't it? What sort of country were we in? You couldn't get a drink after 11. I remember the days you couldn't get a drink of an afternoon. Remember when it was shut between three and five, but there was always places that were open. Can always get in and, and you know for fifty actually for fifty pence and well outside London that was true but in London yeah. it was more difficult uh, and but in Liverpool especially if you were sort of 
in like the early days for me of going out and doing gigs. And then you go to Liverpool yeah. and go, just the sheer joy of like going down the casa and it'd be yeah. one in the morning and you'd feel beautifully filthy. People around the country are asleep and we're out. <laughs> How naughty are we? And it was, uh, and it was fifty pence to get in. It was run by Somalians at the time, actually, and it didn't have it didn't have a license because they could, because it was a fire. It was a death trap. You couldn't get out if a fire started. You couldn't get out, and it's why. And, and they used to cook the most horrendous goat curry. And if you yes, never had it the next it, yeah. day, you couldn't. But you couldn't go near anyone for a week after the smell that was coming off. It was horrendous. And um, and it was completely pitch black, which was great for copping off if you weren't good looking. I, I always remember that. Being good. Well, just next to that, right? There's a, I want to read this out to you. There's a gin bar open by, by a comedian called Willie Miller. You may have, you may or may not know of, but he had to go for a couple of years. It's a good bar. It's how place couples would go and all, you know, hem parties or people just want a bit of gin, different from a pub. Anyway, I walked past on New Year's Day and saw this sign outside the bar. We're really sorry, but we've closed down for good. A small independent business like ours cannot continue to operate with the cost of stock and energy have risen so much. We tried our hardest and the 14-hour working days have taken its toll on us. Many ordinary hard-working people can no longer afford to come out and have drinks in town as they fight to keep their heads above water. We would like to thank everybody who supported us, but unfortunately, great TripAdvisor reviews do not pay the bills. 12 years of Tory government has trashed our economy and this is what you see. At least one pub per day closing down in the UK. Fuck the Tories, <laughs> which was a sign. If you're going to close down, close down in style. Oh I think. yeah, yeah. Well, that's very sad, but but bless them. Yeah, but a sort of another thing, Liverpool thing that I only became aware of this week, and I should imagine you would already already know about this. But someone just showed it to me. Is this brilliant um, clip of a woman in a home who's a hundred? You know the one I'm talking about. She's a hundred, and she gets a. A oh, telegram yeah. from the Majesty, uh, late yeah. Majesty, a couple of years ago, and yeah. so it's all for the local news. And uh, hello, love, hello, uh, Ada, or whatever her name is. Yes, so I'll read it out for you. Uh, congratulations on your hundredth birthday, and so on. It's so wonderful that you have you know, lived so long, and I wish you all the best and all that from Her Majesty. Clap, 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 and then the, the woman who's a hundred goes, "Oh bollocks, she couldn't give a shite." <laughs> it's true, man. It? It's very, very true. I think they gave it to us a wind. I think the family gave it to us a wind up. If I can remember, you know, is it to say when she sees this? All these, little, all these, you know, little women around the country. Where is my telegram off from the Queen? And they go and show her this one. She'll go mad. I really like that. You know, um, that made me laugh when after. I don't think people. I mean, where you mentioned kind of. Um, that there's poverty in every in, in every area. It's not black and white. It's not north be south. Similarly with 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 republicanism. So there'd be a lot of people in Liverpool who were who were proper monarchists. You know what oh I mean? yeah, yeah. Just that the vocal majority couldn't give a shit about them, and, and they will say what they like. So when uh, when at the, one of the one of the last finals we were in, you remember them, Mark, don't you? Finals. Um, it was there <laughs> in a couple. <laughs> yeah, and we booed the national anthem. And it and because it's just a thing that's gone on for years. It's no big oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. statement at the moment. Back in the sixties, they used to, when they, used to, they wouldn't sing "God Save the Queen," <clears throat> it's "God Save Our Gracious Queen." They sing "God Save Our Gracious Teen," and it grew from that. You know what I mean? Right. Of course, the eighties and hills, brother. It's just it's just a, it's a show of dissent to the British establishment, if you like. People join in. Evertonians don't really do it. It's it's, it's a Liverpool. It's just it's just a Liverpool thing, a Liverpool fans thing. 
And um, it was particularly loud, I think, at the League Cup fan because we were playing Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, sign of let's really wind them up. And then, then and as the next day, the Mail on Sunday splashed on it. <laughs> they actually splashed on Liverpool fans insult Prince William by not. It's like they, you know, it, they, they'd be personally insulted Prince William and Kate and the whole of that side of the family by just booing the national anthem. It's you talk about not getting, not reading the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Although I, I'd be for a monarchy if it was like uh, if it had to, they had to be scouse, proper scouse. Oh, God. The, 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 the royal you're family. Fucking, you're fucking knighted, you now, mate. You go whatever you fucking want. <laughs> now, something else that I uh, really want to talk to you about, I think you're the perfect man to talk to about this, is just sort of where where we are generally in terms of sort of the, the government and is it... Um, like, first of all, do you, do you personally think that there is any way back for this Conservative government or are they just going to roll on to an inevitable defeat in the general election? Uh, no, I, I don't think there is a way back. Um, and that's not me being partisan. I mean, the time's against them. It's something like 20 months, maybe, to the next election. If You know, the economy is completely against them. So how are they going to, you know, I saw a splash in the mail today screaming for tax cuts. How are they going to give them tax cuts? For so we can't even give public sector workers a pay rise. Um, I think the telling point is this. I think what they're going to try and do now is is kind of think back to Ted Heath. And if you remember, he tried this and lost. Who rules this country? The unions, i.e. Labour, or the government? And Heath tried that and lost on it. And these will lose 10 times worse because even now, even now when people say teachers are going on strike, so parents might be worried about their kids, people can't get trains, it's still 60% of the people are solidly behind, behind the people on strike. So if, 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 if that's your battle lines, it's us v the unions. We're, we're, we're going to carry on you know, ignoring the demands for pay rises and, think that, and take the people with us. Well, I, I, how can they win? How, how can they possibly win? I don't think... No, I, I think that's right. And I, think, I don't personally remember any time in my life where strikes were popular like this. The odd one and the ambulance workers were in the 90s and so on. But it's not, it's not usual. Usually... If you sort of keep screaming these union leaders, they think they run the country, they're bully boys and so on, there will be a lot of people will go behind that. Now they don't. And I think, I was saying that actually earlier on, that it's um, it reminds me, there's a film, there's a, a brilliant film, quite an obscure film, where Robert De Niro plays this really foul man who marries a woman and he's horrible to her and he's horrible to his to her son. And he just goes on being absolutely grotesque and telling her she's shit all the way through. And she puts up with it the way that, you know, these blokes get away with that sort of thing. And then at the end, she leaves him and takes the son and drives off. And he stood there in the door in the doorway, screaming the same things as he screamed all the way through. But now it means nothing. It has no power because she's just got in the car and left. And I think that this government is at that point. They're screaming... But Mick Lynch, but but the unions, <laughs> and people are just driving off and going. No, we've we've fed up with that shite, and it just doesn't. Suddenly, all the same screaming just doesn't seem to have any power for them anymore. But I think their own their own core ideology is is been is working against them. And I'll give you an example. Of what I mean by that? How many times have you seen one of these 
bosses of a, of, a, of a firm that not even doing well, that's paid himself three million quid, sit before a committee and go, well, it's the market rate. I think you'll find it's the market rate for failure. Three million pounds plus a million pounds in bonuses and dividends. It's just, you just can't get the people like me to do this. So that's why, that's why we're getting it. So people go, okay, that's the market rate. There's 130,000 vacancies in the NHS. So how's the market rate working there? Clearly, you're not paying them enough. Your own logic dictates yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're not paying these people enough. And they just don't want to do 20-hour days and pick up sub-inflation pay rises. They want, if, you, if it's such a good job, if it's such a cushy job, why the 130,000 vacancies? So the whole market, people are stupid. People have friends and family who work in the public sector, and they know how hard it is. How many graduates today in maths and physics or chemistry want to go and teach in schools? It's, they're going to take their skills into, into industry, aren't they? So... People aren't stupid, I think, and I think that's, I think, I think they're seeing through it that, 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 that they're, back, they're, they're like the ideology itself just isn't adding up now for people. But something's changed as well because there's a, obviously a huge, I don't know the exact figures, but there's a huge number of people who wouldn't have bought that ever. But there now there must be a huge chunk, maybe a third of the people who did buy that from Boris Johnson who've now rejected it. So they've, that, that that's what's changed, isn't it? Because there, <clears throat> there would always have been, you know, three years ago, there would have been 50% of the population that votes didn't agree with yeah, Johnson or Osborne or I mean, How did Johnson win that uh, fairly decent majority? It was over Brexit, wasn't it? I mean, it, was, it literally was. That was, the, that was the slogan, get Brexit done. So everyone thought, yeah, let's get it done. Even if, even if I don't totally agree with it, let's get it out of the way. Well, that's gone. And everyone's, a lot of people realising if it hasn't failed, if, if, if it hasn't failed, we haven't found any benefits from it. So I don't know what their offer is, really, other than we're not Labour. I think that's their only offer. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we're not Labour. And, and if you like, Storm is doing the job where he's trying to not look Labour too. So it's kind of trapping them a bit, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. All be, they, could probably, they could probably save money, Labour and the Tories, on getting the same people to do their posters and everything. We're not Labour. We're not Labour. We're not Labour. We're not Labour. <laughs> oh, it's rather embarrassing. We've both put the same hoardings up. <laughs> I do like some. There were some terrible acts, right in the in the eighties. They were, uh, and they were so funny because they were so. And there was one act. What were they called? I think they were called the Chuffing Elves. Right? <laughs> the Chuffing Elves. And they they used to do these sort of like really not just on the nose but absolutely with a sledgehammer and it would be uh, and they would do these sort of songs like um uh, all songs about Norman Tebbit should be strung up and that sort of thing yeah. and uh, there was really not very much artistry to it it was so it was so bad it was funny and then they yeah. used to, and then they would close with this song with, which they just sing what should we do with the Tory bastards and uh, put them on a bonfire and all that and then, and then at the end of it and they were on the telly once and then at the end of that song they just went Tory shit bags and <laughs> you must have thought Sort of, we haven't quite got across the general sense of what we're trying to convey here with the put, burn the Tories alive sentiment. So just to make sure, we better say yeah. Tory shitbags instead of people think, well, they were rather soft on the Tories. <laughs> yeah. Um, the chopping elves, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look them up. Yeah, they... <laughs> they <laughs> 
They would, they would certainly have approved of the gin bars closing notice. <laughs> Brian, where can we read you? Every week in the mirror on a Saturday? Yeah, just the day before you, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, mirror of a Saturday. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing mainly now, you know, and waking up every morning and thinking, what the fucking hell's going on? It's yeah, exactly. It's you. <laughs> and you do a football column? Uh, yeah, I used to, yeah. I um, I stepped back from that, actually, as they say in the game. I stepped back from that. <laughs> so, so I can just devote my time to going to Anfield now. And, and Oh, no, that's not that great at the moment. The best thing that happened, is those pornographic screams on Linux. Oh, yeah. On my <laughs> Before that game starts, that was that was the best bit of our highlights I'd seen <laughs> for about a month. You know? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, compete with that most seller. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure as always, Brian Reed. Yeah. Great stuff, lads. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? The row over Prince Harry's book is continuing, but for one man, it did bring to mind a little-known story about Her Late Majesty, and here to share it is the man who witnessed it firsthand, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Chandelier. I mean, I've I've been vaguely perusing the former Prince Harry's rather peculiar encyclopedic tome that he seems to append for reasons known only to himself about broken dog bowls and fresh frostbitten penis. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what a what a peculiar thing that he hasn't hasn't seen fit to draw attention to some of the more extraordinary uh, extraordinary talents of his wonderful grandmother, the later Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. For example, I mean, very few people are, uh, are aware of this. On top of everything else, do you know she was an absolutely wonderful scaffolder? Quite remarkable. She was a, a scaffolder of the year four consecutive years, according to the British Building Federation or some such organisation. And uh, she would just, as soon as she heard that there was scaffolding to be erected, she would fly out there with her van and up would go the poles and the land. She didn't even wear a harness. There was no health and safety in those days. She didn't get, when uh, Windsor Castle needed to be rebuilt after all that sort of fire shenanigans, she was straight up there, like an eagle she was, like an eagle, straight up the top of the building and she would have a mug of tea and a cigarette and she was was quite extraordinary at shouting bawdy comments at the women below. Oh, come up here, darling. You can sit on my throne whenever you like. That sort of nonsense. She <laughs> uh, would bend over and shout, you, uh, you can come and see my Annas Horribilis. I've got some crown jewels for you, dear. <laughs> oh, I mean, she was really... She used to make the other scaffolders blush. They'd say, for goodness sake, Your Majesty, we're bawdy types, but we can't compete with you. <laughs> and of course they know when they were I mean they were building the shard is it that rather peculiar glass construction by London Bridge and uh, of course they asked uh, Her Majesty to lead the, the gang but uh, I think I believe she had to open Parliament that day and so she wasn't able to rather a shame but what a remarkable woman she was Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, saintly, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really, really find out what's going on for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer 
ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews, bonus sketches, and you'll get it on Friday night, unlike everybody else who will have to wait sadly, miserably, wretchedly until Saturday morning. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. And now, podcasties, it is the time of week that you, as much as me, look forward to when I give you the week's announcements. Announcements are what we live for. When we go in the co-op and it's boring and we're trundling around thinking, surely there's got to be more to life than cotton buds and sellotape and uh, and finding an apple that hasn't got a huge bruise through the middle of it. Then there's an announcement Don't forget that this week in the lovely co-op, custard powder is reduced from 83 pence to 78 pence if you buy more than 12 tubs. That's what we we yearn for. We dream about such announcements. Next week, there is a live show. Next week, as I'm telling you this now, if you've listened to it after next week, it'll be last week. So on uh, Monday, the 24th or Saturday, it doesn't really matter what day, because if you've got tickets, you've all, you're already sorted for it at the Bill Murray, which is a lovely little comedy club up in North London in Islington. Uh, there will be a live version of the What the Fuck is Going On show, and that will be next week's episode, a live recording, rather of them where it's normally done, which is just in a, a basement under a trap door in my house that only I have access to and where there are all manner of illegal things locked down there. Uh, so that's where I normally do it, but not next week. But also, there is going to be another live show at a much bigger venue. Uh, just not, you know, I don't know quite the size of it. The one we're doing next week has, has got four seats, but the the one in March will be huge, uh, and uh, you, you'll be able to come to that if you so desire. If you've tricked us by buying tickets quickly to go to this one, so we book up a bigger venue, and then none of you come, I will admire that as a little as a little jape that you've played on us all at the WTF office. And also, oh, I've got loads of shows. I'm going out on tour doing live shows. Uh, I'm going to Derby on February the 4th, but more importantly, because uh, there's no tickets left for that. Stafford uh, on the 16th of February. Um, Stratford upon Avon, that's on the 17th of February. If you want to go to the show in Derby, that's sold out. Go to the one in Stratford upon Avon instead. Salford, I think that one's full up. Radlett, that's sold out. Teddington, I don't know how we're doing there. That's on the 9th of March. Maidstone on the 11th of March. Lovely, lovely Kent that I never have a bad word to say about. Bridport, I think they've only just gone on sale, those tickets. Bridport, the 23rd, Billy Bragg lives around there. You might get to see him walk past. Uh, Launceston in Cornwall on the 24th of March. Uh, Paynton uh, on the 25th of March. Bristol, I think that one's sold out. Dundee on the 28th of March. You're spoiled for choice. Now, uh, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. So, various questions. Uh, a Northern Lass on Twitter says, could you cover something about what the fuck is going on in the Met? Yes. Yes, we can cover this. Because in the Met, there seem to be a series of absolutely astonishing and perplexing things whereby... Officers in the Met are guilty of the most appalling, degrading 
atrocious crimes against women. And what is really remarkable is that every time one of these cases pops up, it's astonishing and perplexing and unprecedented, and no one could possibly have guessed it. And we will do everything possibly within our powers. We just can't work out how it happened. Those are the sorts of statements you get. Unprecedented. There are 800 officers now that are under investigation for for sexual crimes. Eight. I'd imagine if there was like 800 fishmongers that were suddenly being investigated for sexual crimes, you'd think, what the fuck's happened to the fish? Is there something in the bloody cod? Eight. Hundred and if you know the amazing thing is every one of them is unprecedented. When they get to number seven hundred and eighty-six, they'll go, "My God, here's another one. This is unprecedented. There has never been a precedent for this, apart from the seven hundred and eighty-five that we've had. And there's fourteen more, and all of them are unprecedented. And like then the nicknames of these people, they're all sort of like dodgy, filthy. But one of them was called Filthy Bastard." Dave or something. It's just extraordinary. Nobody could possibly, possibly have anticipated in any way or imagined that there was anything at all untoward about the officer that everybody in the station knew as filthy fuckwit arsehole. Don't let him go anywhere near kids or children or anybody. The bloke just fucking spells bloody rapist with his eyes. Jesus Christ, man. Fucking look that twat up. Dennis, who could possibly, possibly have thought that there might be anything untoward about him? I'm absolutely with you, a Northern Lass. Something that makes us go, what the fuck is going on in the Met is going on. And, um, uh, well, you know, the, the thing is, this is what, what people will be saying soon about the Met. The trouble is, the thing is, you know, what people don't realise is there's one good apple in, you know, Every barrel has one good apple, and somewhere in the Met there is one good apple. So it's not fair to condemn the whole barrel, you know, in in the in the Met, because there there is a, a nice one somewhere. <laughs> Jamie Renton asks, "What the fuck is going on with the NHS? It's clearly not a viable business model, and needs to be privatised and handed over to a consortium made up of that bloke who runs Ryanair and the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang." Yeah, I think that's the way it's going, Jamie. That is what that's what we're doing. Yeah, well, the answer is either to fund it properly or to privatise it even more, such as Jamie so helpfully uh, suggests. Heptoglemius at Heptoglemius on Twitter asks, what the fuck is going on with gluten-free bread? Very angry there, Heptoglemius. Gluten-free bread is smaller than normal bread, costs more, goes stale in five minutes. If you try to tote it, it takes three months to get to a pale brown, then a further two seconds to turn to charcoal. Why? And uh, I'm with you, Heptoglemius. I don't think I've ever bought gluten-free bread. I, you know, I know there are people, I know there are kids who have to have gluten-free bread and stuff like that, but I would think it's such a palaver getting gluten-free bread, isn't it? Just uh, maybe teach your kids to like gluten. I And no, I don't mean that. And Sue Barnard says, a couple of days ago, we bought a couple of ripen at home avocados, <laughs> reduced to 25 pence each because they'd reached their best before date. They're still rock hard with no obvious sign of them ripening. So what exactly does best before mean? That's quite complicated. You bought the ripen at home, so presumably they weren't yet 
ripe, but they'd been re- they were t- only twenty five pence because they'd gone past their best before date. But surely they were a long way from reaching their best before date if they were ripe and at home. They they hadn't yet become ripe, and yet they were reduced to twenty five pence because they were after the point at which they'd been ripe. I think you need go to go back to your shop and see if the people there are all right because they've they're getting best before and best after mixed up. I mean, you know, imagine, no, we're not like that with it. Oh, we're not like that with our Trident nuclear missiles. Do you know what? The Ministry of Defence said they can't remember whether these missiles have already gone past the point where they're likely to just explode without even putting in the codes or whether they're not yet been finished and they still need some more wires in. But let's just take them home. <laughs> and see what happens um i don't know what i like about all this though is that the some of the questions we get here are about the state of the nhs and the the state of the most appalling misogyny going on in the met police and then the stuff about gluten-free bread and avocado i think this is what keir starmer needs to do mix and match a bit in parliament when it comes to questions so then that put richie sunak won't have a clue he'll think oh there's gonna be another question about nhs waiting times not being reached but then mr keir starmer leader of the opposition whoa 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 is the prime minister not aware that this week i bought a packet of cheese and onion crisps in which only nine complete crisps could be found within the packet in addition to a nothing more than a pinch of crumbled and broken crisps at the bottom is the prime minister happy that this appalling lack of crisps in a normal packet purchased for over 70 pence is a symbol of the broken Britain of which his party is presiding. That fuck him. What the fuck is going on this week applies to... The person I'm about to speak to, someone who I bred specially, I don't know, 27 years ago, Elliot Steele. What the? Where the Hello. fuck are you? Is the question. I I'm in a leger, uh, as I found out, it's called and not les gets, um, uh, where I'm doing some gigs and uh, doing some snowboarding. Uh, but I I spent the whole time thinking it's called les gets. Les gets. That would be quite <laughs> named after a named after like someone who's uh. Like a bloke who who was uh, the secretary of the Barnsley Workingmen's Club. Oh, I tell you what, Les gets. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you, old Les. Aye, aye. <laughs> he went down coal pit. Les never seen anyone mine coal like it. Yeah. <laughs> then he yeah. went down to France and set up a ski resort. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah. Oh, I don't call that skiing. We used to ski down through the middle of the, the, the mountain. <laughs> we used to ski on the lava. Uh, it seems, I mean, there's only really one subject that you can discuss really with someone while they're up on a mountain top about to go skiing, and that's the uh, the current state of play with transgender rights. Oh, Christ, yeah. No, that is the t- everyone up here is talking about it. So, I mean, I, you can't help but sort of a, try and avoid the subject, really, because it just seems to elicit such 
utter fury. Yeah. But uh, but but the the fury is the thing I'm I'm interested in. You did a thing on TikTok this week. So what was the sort of general sense of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or tip it was, it was it, it, well. I just think like I was arguing kind of like I like to when I do these things I go for both sides because let, let's be honest. I think anyone who makes their like like Graham Lenehan or someone who makes their life who's done this amazing body of work and now ruins it, uh, it is now, you know, it, he's just ruining everything that he's done because he seems to be hell bent on destroying the trans community, which I can't really see why he wants to die on that can, hill. Can I just I'm just explain for people who don't know? So Graham Lenehan, who wrote Father Ted and yeah. uh, the IT Crowd and. Um, um, so an amazing person in the world of comedy over the last yeah. fifty years. I mean, a huge, yeah, one of, one of the greatest writers of uh, of the yeah, a huge, ever, really. a huge figure. And over the last what six, seven, eight years, has decided for his next project to just be on a daily basis rapacious. I think the word we could say in just yeah. writing as much abuse and vitriol as he ca- as he possibly can about. Uh, the idea of trans rights, and that isn't what I've said. Doesn't begin to to convey it, really, does it? That's it is insane. just absolutely insane. It's just, like, it's just the odd thing. I remember doing a sort of joke about <clears throat> in the in the lectures about Isaac Newton, and uh, oh right, yeah, because Isaac Newton became a spy for the government, where they were sort of hunting down people who'd forged a sixpence to get a loaf of bread and stuff. A strange thing. And I think the the line went, how can anyone be so brilliant and then in their next job so terrible? It'd be like if you found out that Nelson Mandela, after he'd uh, won the, the democratic rights in South Africa, got a job working in a swimming pool shoving fireworks up a dolphin's arse. Yeah, and- that's funny. <laughs> but that's Graham Linehan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It, it's weird though because it's like you've got that side of it that's mental, but within what he says, there is like some, there's like this odd, complicated situation where there are some points, uh, and and I don't fit. And it, it's this side now, and it's it's like anything where if you go, oh well, hold on, actually, yes, those people are mental, but they do cut. They are coming from a place where there is a point. This, it, it, you know, if they're going like, because this bill that's being put through is saying that people as young as 16 should be allowed to change their, you know, go for a sex change and stuff. Now, realistically, given that right to 16-year-olds, I'm sure there are some 16-year-olds who are genuinely transgender and should... Well, there's also some 16-year-olds who are fucking morons, as was I. <laughs> and, you know, I, like if you asked me at 16 what drink I could have for the rest of my life, it'd have been a blue WKD. But what I think is fascinating about it is the utter fury that you get. I, I get it from, you know, because I do support trans rights. So I get that on social media from people who are so utterly vitriolic. And all you have to do is, for example, about two years ago, Eddie Izzard said, I'm not really bothered what people call me, but I think I'd prefer to be she from now on. Yeah, And so... I can't remember exactly what I put. I put something like, good luck, Eddie. Eddie's always been a brilliant comic, always been very supportive. Mm. And also, Eddie is a Palace fan, which is a far more difficult, uh, far, which involves far more difficulties than changing your gender. Right. So, yeah. a little jokey thing. And that was it. Utter, 
utter vitriol. So anybody who wants to be a woman's a woman. So if they want to go into a women's changing room, they could just go in and all of those. You think, no, if, you know what? Blokes are quite capable of assaulting women in women's places yeah. without yeah. needing to pretend to be a woman. So I think you'll find that blokes have been capable of, you know, especially if you're in the police, you, you've got quite yeah. capable of assaulting a woman. They did Those blokes, coppers, didn't need to go, I'm going to pretend to be a woman so that I can arrest a woman. It's utter, yeah, utter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the fury, and I still get that. Um, even now, probably most days, there'll be someone who absolutely screams abuse at me on social media for being a misogynist because I've said this about Eddie Izzard. <laughs> it's, it's an odd... It, it's, it, it is a tricky one because, you know... That's not tricky, it, though, is it? That's just bonkers. no, no. There is, there is no. It, I, I agree that is bonkers, and I think people are using like the the rights of women to put their point that they don't like trans people and have latched onto a point. I mean, that's what a lot of it is. But there is a thing where if a woman goes, well, hold on a second, I don't like that. If someone can identify as a woman, they can then just come into the changing room, and that makes me feel unsafe. And then they get told that they're transphobic because they're not, you know, it, it, it comes this very complicated situation. But like I said, most trans people I've ever met know what bathroom to use. Most trans people I've ever met understand these things. They don't really, there's a, a Jordan Gray, a really good comedian. Uh, she, you know, she's not uh, gone through the full surgery and stuff where I noticed because she, she uh, got a, a, a Johnson out on, a, on Friday Night Live and played the piano with it. It was very funny. It was funny to watch the comedy community, like everyone go, like, TV's too safe now. Nobody does anything. It's just Miss Kumar complaining about white people. And then that happens, and the same people are like, this is outrageous, we're a Christian country, it's falling apart. And it's like, well, what, well, what is it? Is it, is it just, what, what are we? Like, oh, should, should comedy be daring and have these things in it? And, and look, I'll be honest, I think, I think that would be amazing to see live. Uh, I, I think doing it, on TV, like anything, stand-up loses like 70% of its power on TV because you're not there. So if you are just sat down with a takeaway and see it, it probably is going to emote, what the fuck is going on here? But like, but like, if you're in a show and see that, that's amazing, you know? And and I think I thought it was quite funny, a song as well. I thought, well, I thought it was really funny. But she seems to know... Like, like she's working class and stuff. She's very patient with people. All her tweets are like about like, you know, this is it's a complicated issue. So I think most trans people understand that look, this is complicated stuff. It's not easy. It's not as simple as even just like the gay rights thing. This is way more entwined with certain things. See, the trouble is it's very difficult to have these sorts of conversations because it is dominated by what is probably just a handful of people who just... Like, some of those people I looked at, there was one in particular who was very abusive. Uh, I, I don't like the word abusive, but it was, it was just fat, a load of foul, of bloody horrible stuff. That, and then I think Shappy replied to him, and that set him off even more. And uh, But then... And he was horrible, this bloke. Uh, but every little thing, I looked at his sort of Twitter thing, and every little thing was seen through the prism of, of being anti-trans. So you could say anything. Who do you think is going to win the tennis? Oh, I suppose if a man just decides to be a woman, then they can win the tennis. Oh, I was just asking you you thought my, uh, whether you thought the, you know, the servant volley might be more effective against Medvedev. Yeah, yeah, well, never mind that. Yeah, and every single little thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a bit of mould in the bathroom. Oh, I suppose we're going to get a, a man who pretends to be a woman round so that we can pay yeah. her less. 
No, it's just the mould. <laughs> Every little thing is seen through that prism. And then uh, and then also, you know, I know there are people on the other side as well who, who <laughs> just... <laughs> it must be impossible to have a reasonable discussion about this. Or oh, we're coming to the... Yeah. You're going to have to go and snowboard somewhere. Uh, no, but just, just on that, there is the other side. Like, I agree with what you're saying. Like, it's like we get the worst of both sides, where one side is what you're saying, where everything comes to track. Oh, you, oh, I suppose that you just want everyone to, you know, block their cock off. Blah, blah, blah. And then another side is like, we should pump hormones into fetuses <laughs> to change their gender. And you're like, well, okay, all of you are mental. Like, can you all stop, stop this? Because this is all so insane. Like, you know, like, let's not, let, you know, like, with people like, I'm raising my child genderless, and then the child very clearly has a gender and is very happy. And you're like, this is just you trying to seem, it's very performancy. Do you know Paul, who you went wrestling with the other day? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know if he just, told yeah, me, yeah. Like, told me he went for a job. <laughs> so our friend Paul is in his early 50s, yeah. bloke. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. he, he went for a job and they said, oh, uh, we're just going to ask you a few questions, uh, Paul, if we can. Always oh, got a big beard. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Paul, so if you've got your name address down there, fine. Um, gender? I only went, well, uh, well male. Mm-hmm. And then the interviewer went, uh, now, I do have to ask you this. Are you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> and he went, mate, I'm a 52-year-old man. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, but that's because one time some lunatic will have been pregnant and they'd have had, and then they would have gone home and written a whole thing and HR would have got involved. <laughs> and then everyone, it, like, so that's why that happens. And then anyone who rationally goes, no, that is very funny and stupid. Someone then tweets, well, you're not taking in my experience as a 52-year-old pregnant male. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, because it's, like, well, it's, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's, well, it's, I think, it's bizarre. I would imagine that this discussion will uh, will provoke absolutely no reactions whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you so much from the ski slopes of Les Gets, Elliot Seal. Mercy. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. If you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, well, definitely write a review. You can't go through life not writing reviews. Sit up all night and just and write it in seven or eight different languages. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Brian Reed and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? was brought to you by WTF Productions. WTF.